In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. On this All Saints Sunday, the day when we praise God for all his saints, known and unknown, I want to reflect with you on what it means to be a saint. Let's start with the word itself. In English, the word saint comes from the Latin word for holy, sharing the same root as our words for sanctify or sanctity. So in English translations of the Bible, saint, actually usually the the saints, plural, renders the word for holy ones. So saintliness simply is holiness. The saints are those who have been made holy, sanctified in the Lord Jesus. Thus, St. Paul begins his first letter to the Corinthians, to the church of God which is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. That is, to those made holy in Christ and called to be holy ones. Likewise, Paul addresses the Christians in Rome as beloved of God, called to be saints. To speak of saints is to speak of holiness. Now, you have noticed that both passages I just quoted, the call to holiness is given to all Christians without distinction. All members of the church, whether in Corinth or in Rome, are called to be saints. To be Christian just is to be called to holiness. That means, of course, that Christians in Oklahoma City are not exempt from this call. You and I are also called to be saints. Together with all those who in every place, Paul says, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. All Christians are called to be saints, called to holiness. As he who called you is holy, St. Peter says, Be holy yourselves in all your conduct, since it is written, Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Now there is some complexity here when we talk about the holiness that we have and that we're called to. A distinction between present reality and desired future. Between what is already the case and what is not yet the case. So on the one hand, the New Testament speaks of all Christians without distinction as the saints. This mode of speaking emphasizes the present reality of the salvation we have in Christ Jesus. Already, the scriptures stress, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so it's for this reason that Paul addresses the whole mess of the church in Corinth as those sanctified in Christ Jesus, even though in the same breath he is reprimanding them for their unsaintliness. A little later he declares to them, ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. This makes the crucial point that the holiness of the saints, the holiness of any Christian, is the gift of God comes to us from outside ourselves. 
Here's how Frederick Buechner, the late writer and pastor, puts it. Holiness, he says, is not a human quality like virtue. Rather, he says, holiness is godness. Holiness is godness. And as such, is not something people do, but something God does in them. It is something God seems especially apt to do in people who are not virtuous at all, at least not to start with. So on the one hand, holiness is the gift of God. It is in Buechner's arresting turn of phrase, godness, what we receive in Christ Jesus. And it's in this sense, all Christians are rightly called saints. Holiness is godness, and as such is not something people do, but something God does in them. On the other hand, holiness remains something to be desired, something sought, something not yet. We remain called to be saints. The holiness we have in the Lord Jesus must be actualized in our lives. We must become what we are. It's because of this gap between the already and the not yet that we also speak in a more restrictive sense of the saints. When we speak of the saints in this narrower sense, we mean, of course, those Christians who have died, who have gone before, whose lives the church has judged in retrospect as manifesting exemplary holiness, those who have actualized the holiness that they are given in Christ. These saints are those who, in whom the light of Christ has shone with exceptional clarity and brightness. They are the saints in light, as Paul puts it. This is, of course, typically the sense of the saints that we have in mind when we speak of the saints, and it is the sense in play in the church's feast of all saints, which we celebrate today. Such are the saints the prayer book speaks of in such prayers as this one, where we pray, we yield unto the most high praise and hearty thanks for the wonderful grace and virtue declared in all thy saints, who have been the chosen vessels of thy grace and the lights of the world in their several generations. We pray on this day for the grace to follow the blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living. And in this prayer, we are responding to the call on our lives to be saints, to be holy as the Holy One calls us, uh, as the one who calls us is holy. But there's a question for us. Do we really want to be holy? Do you want to be a saint? I don't know about you, but there are times when I would rather not times when it is just too much trouble, times when I'm distracted by worldly cares, running around after my children, and even times when I'm tempted to agree with Billy Joel, who sings, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners have much more fun. Do you want to be a saint? Who wants to be holy? Frederick Buechner asks. The very word has fallen into disrepute, he says. Holier than thou. Holy Joe. Holy mess. 
And saint comes to mean a plaster saint, somebody of such stifling moral perfection that we would run screaming in the other direction if our paths ever crossed. And yet, Beekner says, we have our moments. Every once in a while, he says, we actually long to be what out of darkness and mystery we are called to be. When we hunger for holiness, even so. There come moments, I think, when there is something about the saints of the earth that bowls us over a little. I mean, real saints. I mean, saints as men and women who are made not out of plaster and platitude and moral perfection, but out of human flesh. I mean, saints who have their rough edges and their blind spots like everybody else, but whose lives are transparent to something so extraordinary that every so often it stops us dead in our tracks. Light bearers, life bearers, he says. The saints, as those whose lives are transparent to something so extraordinary that every so often it stops us dead in our tracks. The saints are those whose lives are transparent to the life of Jesus. In them, the death and resurrection of Jesus shines through. In them, what St. Paul says is abundantly clear. Ye died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Christ, he says, is your life. And in the saints, we see that clearly. Michael Ramsey, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, puts it this way. In reverencing a saint, he says, the people reverence the life of Christ, who is the life of them all. So the saints are those whose lives are transparent to the life of Jesus, those in whom the death and resurrection of Jesus is a present reality. But what does this look like, practically speaking? This, I think, is where our gospel lesson comes in today. The Beatitudes are, as it were, a self-portrait of Jesus. They show who Jesus is, what his life looks like. He is the truly blessed one. And the Beatitudes set out the contours of his life, and in such a way as to make it possible to imagine how the life of every Christian might be transparent to his life, whatever our state of life, even if we're not male or celibate or living without a home in first century Palestine. They help me to see how the light of Jesus might shine out in my life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says. He who humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death on the cross. Blessed are they that mourn, he says, who wept at the grave of Lazarus, his friend, who wept over Jerusalem, the city of God. Blessed are the meek, he says, who says later, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. He himself hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He himself is merciful, who says to the adulterous woman, 
neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He is pure of heart. He committed no sin. No guile was found on his lips. He is a peacemaker. He himself is our peace. In him, God is reconciling all things to himself. And of course, our Lord suffered persecution. As the scripture says, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The Beatitudes show us the life of Jesus. They are a portrait of Christ, and therefore also a portrait of his body, the church. But the church is, as Archbishop Ramsey puts it, the place where the passion of Jesus Christ is known and where witness is born to the resurrection from the dead in the lives of the members of his body. It's the place where we learn to die to self so that the life of Jesus, which is our life, may be manifest in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. For the mighty power of God works to make your life and mine transparent to the Lord Jesus, so that we sinners might be made into saints. Let us pray. O Almighty God, who has knit together thine elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of thy Son, Christ our Lord. Grant us grace so to follow thy blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those unspeakable joys which thou hast prepared for those who unfeignedly love thee. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.